Welcome to the We Do Marketing Hour podcast. I'm your host, Alex Valencia. And our goal here on the We Do Marketing Hour is to help people and businesses grow in the next 60 minutes. Our goal is to invite new guests and experts in the respective fields and have in-depth real-life conversations that can offer you the tools, tips, tricks, cutting-edge strategies, anything you can do to help you in your business or in your life that you can implement today. Today, I'm super stoked to have some of my two best friends, intelligent men, crazy SEOs and lawyer, Jason Hennessy and Seth Price, as we embark on part two of Learn From three of legal marketing's best SEO and content marketing experts, part two. Make sure you look out for it. Thank you for listening. God bless. Have an amazing day. Thank you, everyone, for showing up to episode part duh, or do. Is it do? Part do. Uh, part two. Do. Do in French. Do. Um, thank you again for showing up. We're excited. Seth's here in South Florida with us, hanging outside of his uh, backyard. Jason's back in LA where I was last week. So we're super stoked to have you guys. We have some good content. Um, but we're just going to wait a few more minutes to get more people hopping in. Make sure you uh, put some of your questions in chat and then let us know that you can hear us. I think Walter was nice enough to already say that everything looked good on his end, but just make sure uh, you can hear and see us. Um, we will be recording and, and sending us through email and social media. Um, so if you don't get it from us, you might get it on uh, Seth's side or Jason's side. But uh, mm -hmm. welcome all of you. Hey, heads up. Cool. We're good. We're good. But make sure you guys have some questions. We're going to go over some topics um, that we didn't have time to go over last time. Hope you guys had a good time. Scott Schramm. You know what? I, it's probably not appropriate, but I was watching something with Yvette. Do you know that the thumbs up doesn't actually mean thumbs up? Or is it, I think it's two thumbs up in a text message actually means something really bad? I can only imagine, man. Are we now at the point where like, we're like, I remember like in high school when teachers would say or do stupid things and you'd be like, that had a double entendre. Are we now doing <laughs> double entendres and being laughed at? But I don't think we even know we're doing double entendres, right? No, the teachers are neither, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the issue. Like the kids know, right? But we don't, right? We're just parents, like giving thumbs up. Thanks, Walter. There was one that said that the, you know, the, uh, the, the prayer in the prayer emoji. Um, so, Somebody said that that was the high five emoji, right? And I'm like, no way. I'm like, when people like pass away and stuff, I'm giving high fives and stuff. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm like, don't tell me I got that wrong, man, all this time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Hart had a really good new uh, series on uh, Netflix, and he was talking about a buddy and his text messaging. And, uh, um, he was using a lot of the new emojis that a lot of the millennials and, and the new Gen Z's are using. And he thought he was saying something completely different, but he was having a whole different conversation. It was hilarious. <laughs> you guys got to check it out. Um, so uh, my branding and marketing manager is like, don't start any later than 12.05. Everybody's logging in already, so I don't have to lock, uh, unlock. So we're already on. So, all right, thank you everybody for joining. It is December 1st. Wow, has this year passed by so quickly. Um, hopefully everyone's uh, been blessed and you know haven't been too sick or lost anybody. So if you have, our hearts go out to you and uh, you know continue to be safe and, and responsible. Thank you again for joining us on episode two. I'm so excited to once again introduce my MF and friend Jason Hennessy and Seth Price to the show SEO Happy Hour. And, um, you know, you're learning from some of the country's 
lead experts in legal marketing, content marketing, and SEO. So make sure you guys have your questions and, and you can hear us. So what's up, guys, outside of uh, texting emojis? What's been going on? What have we seen in 2020 with your clients and you know business overall? You know, it's it's in some ways it's been sort of a continuous focus, like we talked about on the last show, right? We're seeing algorithm updates that have rewarded what I'll call good behavior, uh, you know, solid content, solid links, and mm -hmm. with the exception of that one crazy night where they decided to just scramble everything because they could. Um, you know, we, we've seen stuff in the right direction. I think the elephant in the room is probably LSA, um, and that's probably that's more has happened with that since we last spoke than just about anything else, Jason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing. You know, like we are seeing a, a lot of uh, fluctuations happening in the SERPs. I think, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, Seth, if you or I were sitting at a Starbucks drinking our uh, soy lattes, our ice soy lattes. I think I got um, a commission on that. I think I got you hooked a number of years right? ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't think we would be really spending too much time talking about like yeah. user and behavior signals. Um, you know, and I think that's been a big uh, shift. You know, once you make it to the first page of Google, yeah, links count, but you know, Google's spending a lot more emphasis on just kind of the behavior signals too. And I think we can maybe talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> yeah. And I, and I think if we're doing the future casting, um, you know, looking at 21 user experience, as Jason just alluded to, I think is, is going to be, is, is key. Like we've always looked at it because we want people to, you know, like our content and call and you want page on time that's not a you know everybody knows that but the idea is that google is starting to look further and deeper into that as a uh ranking factor at least they're outwardly telling us that's what's coming oh for sure yeah it's funny because yesterday i seen uh barry schwartz um he, he was a post uh you probably saw this too where they actually after like 20 years of doing this like yeah, John Mueller said that anchor text is a ranking signal, right? <laughs> so for those that are watching like anchor text, um, um, there was a, a case study many, many years ago that was around for a long time. If you ever did a Google search, click here, uh, the Adobe Acrobat Reader page would show up, right? Because so many people would be like, hey, if you don't have Adobe, click here to download Adobe, right? And so when you go to that Adobe page, nowhere on the page does it say anything about click here, right? Um, it's just because so many sites, you know, in the footers or on pages, passing page rank to the page, all containing the blue underlined link, which is called anchor text that says click here to that page was the biggest evidence that anchor text was a ranking signal back in those days. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see that John Mueller came out with it yesterday. Right, and so for years, you know, when people, you know, there was a time when you could sort of abuse it and then maybe 5% mm -hmm. of your text could be that way. And that as Google wanted a normal experience, many people have thinned it out more and more where like, for instance, for lawyers, the name of your firm is probably your most likely anchor text, but mm -hmm. it still is a factor. And the more, I think we may have talked about this a little bit on the last show. If we didn't, we should have, uh, you know, the fact that there are times when you get so clean in order to make sure that you're there forever that mixing it up what we call dirty anchor text where it might be the name of your firm with some keywords but something you don't you know every one of your anchor text is name of city injury lawyer that's going to cause you trouble but if sure. everything is just the name of your firm without you're, you're giving up the opportunity to sort of give google that extra indication and sort of it's how do you keep it real while at the same time not forgetting that this is a ranking factor as they've just, you know, finally confirmed. Yep. Completely agree. <clears throat> Pretty fascinating stuff. <clears throat> well, I think that it goes to what we sort of mentioned a moment ago, which is Google saying, Hey, this is what's coming up in 2021. And I think one of the hardest things is SEOs that Jason and I bemoan and, you know, Alex, we've, we've talked about this over the years is that Google will tell you one thing, but that may or may not be true. It's sort of like dealing with my mother-in-law and that like, <laughs> sometimes it's right. And sometimes it's because she wants it done, but she, it's not actually a ranking factor. And so mm -hmm. we see that sort of a part of, I think, the challenge of SEOs is to figure out, okay, they're saying this, do they really mean it? So yeah. an example of when they really meant it was they told us for a long time back in the day when I first met Jason that spammy links were bad. And mm -hmm. they said, no, they're really bad. They're really bad. And nothing happened. Then all of a sudden, boom, anybody with them got pounded. Um, yeah. Whether or not we're going to see that again, for example, with 
spammy business names, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, keyword stuff, business names, spam still works there really well. Is that going to be an area that gets swiped back? And so we're hearing a lot about on-page experience being the updates in 2021. Is that because they are really going to do something or is that because they want us to start focusing on that? And if they do that, they know that the lion's share of SEOs will push in that direction. Sure. Yep. No, I completely agree. <clears throat> what are you going to say, Alex? So I wanted, uh, for some of the people on here are, are not as knowledgeable about anchored text. So I'd like to just give a brief sky overview of what you're using it, how you're using it, how it should be best used and on both internal and external use, right? So if you're looking on page, what is the best scenario for using anchor text and what would you be linking to? So, so again, you know, as I, as I explained, anchor text is very simple, right? If you go to like Wikipedia, right, you see all these like underlying links that go to like a preceding page. So if you're on the baseball page for Wikipedia, there's an infield like link, there's an outfield link, there's a catcher link, right? Um, so what that does is that tells Google, you know, what the preceding page, the relevance to the preceding page. Um, and it could be a blessing and it could be a curse depending on how you use it. Um, and I've seen so many people um, that just basically hire bloggers and writers and they just kind of give them, you know, free reign to just kind of post content and just link to whatever they want. Right. Um, and so like a, a classic example is if let's just say you have a personal injury page and you have a car accident page in the city and your blogger is linking to your car accident page using the anchor text personal injury, right? Like you're sending wrong signals to Google and you're confusing Google. And so, you know, you might be pushing down your car accident page as a result of that. You know, I see stuff like that. Right. And so basically it's, you know, just take it even back one step further to answer Alex's question. Like it's the words that are, that are, as Jason said, it's the words that you're using that then the link comes to your website. And that mm-hmm. if you're, if you get the, let's say the Washington Post or New York Times has a story on you, you're lucky enough to get a link. When you get that link, you know, they're not going to ask you what you want. They're just going to mm-hmm. put, you know, Seth Price, a partner of Price Benowitz or, you know, uh, you know, Jason Hennessy, uh, founder of Hennessy Consult, whatever it is. And that's why the click here was so powerful because every time they have all those links in the Adobe Acrobat example. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what it comes down to is when you do get the ability to, ask for some specific words to be included, you know, it's one of those things that those words are very helpful and can be very powerful if you have, let's say, a dog bite page, using that as a very specific thing. So Google says, okay, I see the URL has dog bite in it, nameoffirm.com backslash dog bite. It has a title tag. And now the votes coming in aren't just links to the firm, but they have the word dog bite. So CNN that did a story on dog bites is linking in if you were lucky enough to get the words dog bite as part of it, they don't play that game. They just give you your name in if you're lucky, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the yeah. question is when you have a blog, let's say you do a guest blog post, assuming that it's in a good neighborhood in a good space, you have a decision to make and SEOs spend way too much time thinking about this. Should it just be a super clean anchor text, which is the name of your firm or you, you know, as the author, mm-hmm. or you know, if you were somehow to be able to brand yourself as you know, Alex Valencia, dog bite lawyer, uh, that the fact that those words are part of your title is a positive signal to say to Google, hey, not only is there a page about this with the right URL and the right title tag, and not only is there a link coming in with authority, but that authoritative link is signaling, and that is really powerful. But if all of your page, if all of your links have dog bite, Google knows that's not natural and that you're manipulating it and they'll, they'll hit you down. So it's like not being too greedy, but at the same time, making sure that you do enough to signal what's going on that page. Yeah. There's a threshold that you have to kind of follow. Um, and you know, some people don't follow it, you know, like ideally, like Seth was saying, you, you, most people have natural links, right? So they call those naked URL links, right? That's where people just <laughs> link to your homepage using <laughs> www. or your branded search terms, right? That's natural, right? You know, most of your links, you know, anywhere from seven to 10% of your link equity should probably contain either, you know, the naked links or your branded stuff. And then dog bite should be like 
2%, right? 1% for a car accident, right? You have to kind of monitor that stuff. Otherwise, you can get algorithmically filtered or even worse, penalized. <clears throat> and, and a lot of it, look, Google has so much to worry about. We're, we're, we're pimples to them. Part of, of the course. reason I think that they haven't gotten rid of local uh, spam, um, which we talked about, about last time, is the fact they just don't care. It's such a large world. And this is such a, the number of people spamming in the legal space is so small compared to all the other local searches they have. Mm -hmm. um, that said, those algorithms are unforgiving. And I, I had an event the other day where a bunch of people um, liked something that I did. And I got a bunch of positive reviews and it triggered something. And you could see like, okay, eight reviews in too short a period of time, bad thing. You know, I saw another, a client who had, who had five offices and some one person reviewed all five offices from the same personal, G, uh, personal account. That, that hit something. I've seen, I know two is fine. Oh, yeah. You know, is three okay, four okay, but there is a point where Google sees something. So just like with the percentage of anchor text, you know, as I said, at 1.5% was good. And if you went 1% over 5%, it would hit you down. I saw it to 1%. It is now likely, I'm talking about from a page, from a given page of density of keywords, not anchor text, sorry. But mm -hmm. I'm sure there's another algorithm where if your percentage of anchor text goes too high, it will hit something and slap you down. 100%. And some of that stuff you control and some of that stuff you don't control, right? The, the guy that left a review on all five you know, places. One would think that somebody asked that person to do that, right? I don't think anybody is just going to wake up on a Monday morning right. like, oh yeah, today I forgot to review price benefits in all five of their locations. Right? No, no, and, they, and it's that's no, that's a really good point. This was for right. this was for a client, and that you know, and I think that that's an example where Google is sort of simulating reality. You know, you uh -huh. may love two offices of something, but for you to re re you know review five Jiffy Lubes in a day, not that likely. Or if it is, there's some ulterior motive. They're trying to keep it real, so to speak. And the only way they can do it in mass is to have sort of algorithmic triggers that take place if you get greedy or try to do something non-natural. I'm curious. Uh, so, you know, personal injury, I can see it's it's easier to kind of get like reviews, but how do you get somebody that got a, that got a DUI to kind of leave a review? That's a whole conversation. Like right? I've been living it for years, right? We got the, you know, you're right. When you give I somebody a DUI conference, right? Yeah. You give somebody a check, they're jumping up and down to tell the world. Right. Um, you know, they, they get a check, but you know, that's where, you know, and that is why, you know, that is in a unique space um, in a sense, mm -hmm. there are a number of these things, right? The reason you hire a lawyer is to not tell the world, sometimes exactly. family members, sometimes a, a review without any details. But the irony is the it's the DUI terms that are going to, you know, that the algorithm is, is, is dying for in the reviews. They're clearly yeah. to have a keyword rich review. Um, you know, and I think that Google has made it stand, you know, to eliminate gate. We talked about on the, I think the last, uh, last call, we had a gateway pages. How they uh -huh. ban those so that for those of you that don't know, you might have a page on your website that says, hey, how is the service at whatever organization or firm you have? And if it was four or five stars, it pushes you to a Google review. Google said, no, we want to see a transparent curve, like a bell curve, uh, sure. you know, of reviews that's more natural. And if only the good people are allowed or pushed to leave it, that's not a good thing. So the irony, this is one of my favorite stories, was Podium is one of those companies, one of five or six like Gather Up and, uh, you know, BirdEye uh, Bird that was doing this and that all of a sudden they realized, oh, wow, that's our company. We, that we're, that's a portfolio Google company. And they were doing gateway pages and they were like the first ones that had to knock it out sure. because that's how they made their money, right? Like who wants a review? You filter the review, right? Yeah, you filter it. Yeah. Well, you meaning you filter it in the sense that you're not asking for it. You're not, you know, you're filtering internally, but Google said, Hey, if you have those gateway pages on your site, we're going to penalize you. Are they really going to? I don't know, but I'm not taking any chances. So we were getting ready to build those because we're like, that seems genius. You know, you might do it on your own email system, but you're, which a lot of these yeah. guys have done. But if you do it on your site itself and Google's crawling it, they're like, no, that's no good. We don't want that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's what I'm saying is, you know, like sometimes they filter it by which you send a an email saying, hey, how did you like our services? Right. And it's like zero to five. Right. And if they rate four or five, you send them over to 
if they rate one, two, or three, whatever, you're kind of sending them a different message to leave it like you know, locally, uh, right? <clears throat> it's so fun. I was interviewing Jim Boykin the other day, one of the sort of icons in the SEO space, non-legal, and mm -hmm. uh, you know he still uses a Yahoo account. He wants he wants Google to have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> so wow. I, I, you know, I, I know I've when I have sensitive stuff, I'll, I'll use Facebook Messenger. Like you know, I, I, there's certain things that you know Google Google knows all, but if I can sort of try to prevent some stuff going there, maybe. Google is That's listening right now. Interesting yeah. guy, Jim. Um, so let's segue into 2020's local. How did local change and what can uh, what can we be doing differently? What can law firms be doing differently? Because we know about the extra offices, the non-actual location, kind of like your, uh, um, you know, your, your leased office buildings. And those are probably all closed down now because of COVID. So what's the situation there? That, that's the greatest irony, Jason. You know, so like for years, Google didn't want the shared offices. In the last yeah. 12 months, they really hammered it pretty badly yeah. pre-COVID, right? They took people out right and wrongly. They they took a broad swath and did it. The irony is, at least in the major metropolitan areas, everybody's virtual. So they're still slamming them. But mm -hmm. they, what they're trying to do, that's their, the irony is they care about that for spam but they really haven't addressed everything else. I think that would be, to me, it's the biggest change was going after local offices and the announcement mm -hmm. that reviews matter. It's not a change, but a proclamation. But to me, the, the, the headline is it's now 2021. They've had all this time and local spam is still infiltrating the world and really causing problems in many markets. And they just don't seem to be putting the resources they could easily use to shut it down. Totally. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, you know, their, their local algorithms are kind of uh, all jaded right now, too, you know, because some of the behavior signals, right, you know, whether or not people believe it or not, or whatever you kind of speculate, but, you know, there is a button that says click directions, right? And then Google will tell you, you know, how often somebody's at the place or whatever else, right? You know, so like, you know, if nobody's clicking directions to restaurants right now, if nobody's like spending time in the restaurant, their algorithms are all kind of wacky, you know what I mean? Um, but that's the same for law firms, you know, while a lot of people don't, you know, click directions as frequently as, as you would think to a law firm, you know, it is still a signal. And I see people that are also even trying to game that system too, well, you know? Mike, Mike Ramsey gave a great talk at uh, MozCon a couple of years ago where mm -hmm. he like tested in a small market directions. Blue, I, I tried it myself. I couldn't, I couldn't get the same results he did uh, in a larger uh -huh. city, but it, you know, and, and as we know, Google sometimes focuses on certain it, you know, tr you know, ranking factors and others, but you know, clearly they know in in mass how many people are not just going to a site, but you know, actually doing it. And then the question is, are you actually following those directions somewhere? Sure. Right? It's not like yeah. you know, getting the directions, but like they, you know, go we're between Google Maps and Waze, they know right. exactly who's following the directions to where they're going. Yeah, yeah, you know. The other thing too, Alex, you know, you said like, what's, what's new? What are some of the trends? Um, you know, I think, I think the big, biggest thing is, um, is photos. Um, I think that's going to, that, that was big this year. And I think it's going to be even bigger next year. Google has AI called cloud vision. Um, it's an interesting tool. I would encourage you to go Google that now cloud vision. Um, look at some of the photos that are in your GMB profile. Um, and, you know, just take a screenshot of the photo and, and put it into that tool and see what Google semantically associates that photo with. Um, it's it's brilliant. I mean, they're able to show like how confident they are if if there is somebody that's smiling, if somebody's wearing a hat, if there's a cat in the background, like, you know, so like that would be the biggest thing is like taking real photos from your smartphone, from your office with the geo coordinates, right? of things that Google can even read, like your logo. And if it says personal injury lawyers on the door and Google's reading all of that stuff. Like I see people ranking um, for somewhat competitive terms in local search. And then I go and I look at their photos and it's, it, I would put like some strong evidence that it has to do with their photos. And it's so funny, you know, I've, I've pulled that question amongst some people outside of legal SEO and mm -hmm. it's, it's really divided. Some people think that, that photos are everything. 
And there are others who are just think, yeah, have go have fun posting them. And then the piece that that I'm I'm getting pushback on, but I, I'm curious to know whether it will be going forward is the geotagging of the photos. Um, there's a you know a school of thought. It's there. Some of the people I respect, like a Mike Blumenthal and others, think it's hogwash. But you know, mm -hmm. again, it's like anything else. You what what may not work a year and a half ago, you know, may start working now. And I look at GMB as like we don't really know all of those things. For instance, they said, hey, number of views wasn't a factor. I kind of ignore what they're saying. And as Jason's saying, if you see anecdotal pushes in different directions, why not try it? You know, you, you right. resources to do it aren't great. You can't do everything. But if they give you, you know, Jason and I have both spoken about this over the years, you know, if they give you an opportunity with a GMB, whether it be posts, whether it be photos, like you only have so many different buttons you can push why not try it? It's sort of like they say marketing, half of it works. You don't know which half. I think there's a great example here. We're not certain which ones are working, but why not throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall? Because when it works, it's so freaking awesome that assuming that it's not a massive cost to do it and you could somehow systematize it, um, give it a shot and make sure that you're partaking in helping them fill up their, the, you know, they lost the Google Plus war as a social platform, they're doing everything possible to win, to make GMBs the destination and not, you, know, you already see them knocking out Yelp. Yelp's in trouble as a business. They're, they see blood and I think they're really pushing hard to try to get this to take on a significance. And I wouldn't be surprised if three years from now, Yelp is really not a factor or sells for penny on, pennies on the dollar because Google is putting so much effort in forcing people to do so much work on their GMBs in competitive markets. Yeah. And, and, and one thing that, you know, I like to do sometimes is, is look outside of the legal vertical for signals Absolutely. and right. You know, and other, you know, and, and one of the best examples is like, if you do searches for things that are not all that competitive, right. Um, like if you do a Google search right now for guitar lessons, right. Or piano lessons or ice cream shops, right. Um, you will see that GMB has photos actually appearing in the SERPs for those queries, right? And so you'll see like, hey, it's Frank's guitar lessons, and then there's a photo of a guitar, right? Um, you know, or Jen's ice cream shop, and there's a photo of some ice cream. Now, they don't do that for legal right now, um, but, you know, they're still using the same algorithms. Um, and so that's just evidence to me. I just look at signals, and then I come to my own conclusions. Um, so anyway, that's why I'm just saying, you know, you might want to put some more emphasis on your photo strategy in 2021. And, you know, the, the great minds, we, we've, you know, like anything else, it's not just a one-off, right? If you do go do mm -hmm. photos on your iPhone one day, great. But it's like, just like content, it's consistently filling the beasts. So if you, mm -hmm. you know, finding a methodology so that you can constantly be getting that fresh data to Google and it's not just a set it and forget it situation because we're not selling guitar lessons. We're selling something with a bunch of people raising their hands, wanting that visibility. Yeah, what's the biggest mistake you find with uh, GMB listing? When you take on a client, what's the biggest mistake either another firm's done or they've done to their own GMB listing? A biggest mistake. Um, they go wrong. I, I think it's, a, it's, it's not just mistakes. It's sort of like first age of GMBs seems to be one of those not talked about things that's significant um, mm -hmm. for starters. Um, reviews used to be sort of poo-pooed, but are now more and more, not just of a ranking factor, but a conversion factor. Um, I, I am curious to know whether the review score at some point will play more of a factor. Uh, we have not seen that to date. Remember the eyeglass situation where yeah. there was an eyeglass store in New York. Got my eyes, for my eyes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, what, they had like 500 one-star reviews before reviews were hip and they did. They were crushing it because it, yeah. it was the top of it. And I think that, that at some point that that will play in. They just want content right now. But I would say it's the idea that it's not being focused on. Like, so it's the, it's the missed opportunity. You know, it's not like, hey, you don't put photos, you're not going to rank, but it's not taking it as a relevant part of your overall local SEO strategy. Yeah, uh, to me, I, th I think it's more on the side of like the user experience. Uh, when somebody leaves a negative review and that person kind of, there's a battle then that goes on. <laughs> like I've seen that, 
right? It's like, who do you think you are leaving this review, blah, 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 right? And then it just kind of, it, it's like, you see that stuff, right? You can't do that, right? Because that's the image of your firm, right? Or your company. Well, it's the, bar, it's the Barbara Streisand effect, right? It's exactly. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I've been torn for years. I just left it alone and didn't, you know, didn't love the, the responding to reviews, you know, on TripAdvisor, they always seem very corny. Thank you so much for the great review, you know, and then mm -hmm. the bad ones, it's, it's sort of like, but, you know, I think that Google has pushed us in the direction. Like you have to start re responding. I have a 24 hour rule, which is you get a bad review. It's going to happen from time to time. Uh, hopefully not often, but when it happens, you know, it's, you know, in, in my fraternity house, we had a 10 second rule for this particularly annoying guy where before he said something, he had to think 10 seconds. If it was still a good idea, he could say it. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like 24 hour rule, you know, you want to respond, but sleep on it. Make sure that you still have that feeling the next day. It's not worth losing your bar license. And you don't want the Barbara Streisand effect where the response instigates something that makes it much, much worse. So here's a, here's an offline life hack for reviews. A friend of mine um, told me about this. So what he did was he went out and he, he got a Amex card um, and the name of the company is five star reviews. Right. And so anytime he goes to the hotel, he, he uses it. He's like, Hey, this is so-and-so from five star reviews. I'd like to come take out your place. <laughs> right? And then he shows up and he's got the credit card, right? It's, you know, Tim with five star reviews. And then he's always getting like penthouse and free breakfast. And so there's a tip for all of you. Go get yourself a, a, a credit card that says five Tim's that guy. Yeah. yeah. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So, all right, let's touch. So we hit uh, GMB. We'll, we'll finish it off in a little bit with, because uh, there's a lot, lot to talk about LSAs. But I, I want to stress also voice search um, and creating content around frequently asked questions where, where do you guys see the voice search I, it's been like the topic for years right every time the seo for 2019 for 2020 for 2018 you know you got to be doing and optimizing and writing content for voice search. <laughs> <laughs> right i don't know if it came clear but the, the, the jason shrug sort of sums it up it's a great <laughs> topic for people in keynote it's not changing our world yes FAQ, you know but like we, we, if you write great content that answers questions, like it's not like we're seeing a massively different, it's just a way of, you know, I think it's just search. You know, my kids don't type searches anymore. They speak it. It mm -hmm. hasn't changed it. They're, they're saying and talking approximately the same way for our purposes in the legal space, you know, mm -hmm. write great content that answers the frequently asked questions. You're going to get it, but it's not like, it profoundly changes anything, at least from my point of view, Jason. Uh, yeah. So, it, you know, um, you know, the two things that you can do proactively, Seth hit it right on the head, right. You know, is, is the format your content is, you know, make FAQs a large part of your strategy. Right. And it's pretty obvious, right. I mean, if you go to Google and you type in a question that you think your clients are asking, Right. Uh, well, they're probably speaking it too, right? Or they will speak it. And then Google has those suggested questions, right? And then there's three of them. And if you click on the bottom, it'll show three more and then three more. You know, that becomes your content strategy, right? And then as you're writing the content, you just want to basically format the content, right? With FAQs in the header tags, H1 tag, H2 tags, right? Um, and then also then add like schema markup so that, you know, Google can understand it and it's following the appropriate protocol. Uh, so, um, but you know, that's really all you can really do to proactively, um, you know, plan or strategize for, for voice search. <laughs> I, I guess one of the interesting things, um, was what's going to happen with actually sort of if you're future casting, um, what am I hearing? Apple, Jason, you probably know this better than I do. Apple is talking about, is, is dropping Yahoo Bing and like mm -hmm. looking at their own local arena and they have the resources sure. to build it out if they want to. Um, and so it'll be interesting. So historically, you know, Yahoo Bing was a number two, you know, at one point, 10, 15% of the market, it's dropped to nominal, if, if anything. Yeah. Um, and the question now is, you know, and, and it's been weird because that means the people with Siri 
we're not getting Google results. So we spent all our time optimizing Google and yet Siri was pulling it off Yahoo. I don't see that happening for long. I don't think Yahoo's done a great job of curating the content. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Apple doesn't want to be in bed with Google. And so likely we're going to see their own, maybe that's who's going to buy Yelp at the end of the day to sort of start their local search. Um, sure. But, but yeah. something, you know, something's got to give because, you know, Apple has so many people on mobile you know, with all the devices they're they're bringing out, um, that it, it seems that they're going to want solid search results because you know you saw you know the announcement with Google now doing its own portal, that mm-hmm. you know they're you know Amazon that that you know Amazon was first to market with it. Amazon's not great for search for local search. Surrey's not great. So it's sort of like if if you, Apple doesn't come up with a solution, it's going to give Google a sort of a a road back into that market that they certainly don't want to have. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. But that's basically summarizes, you know, voice search. Um, you know, there's not right. much more you could be doing for that. <clears throat> yeah. And just like both Seth and Jason touched on it. You, you want to be asking questions, you know, anything with the words, how, what, when, why, where, um, also looking for the long tail when you're doing your research. So it's, it's just creating that question. Um, Google Intent will help with that too. Whenever you start typing that in, it'll give you opportunities to build out that content strategy. Just one um, point of clarification on that, Alex. You know, because uh, you know, as as you're doing this research, right? You know, like um, how to get a police report, right? Um, you know, when you when you write a, a uh, an answer to that question and you publish it on your website. Um, you know, a lot of times people will think about old school Google, right? Like, well, I don't care. Like, I don't want to rank how to get a police report when people in California are doing that search and I'm over here in Florida, right? Um, But you'll notice, like, if you actually, like, use a tool to change your IP address and you do that search, like how to get a police report and you do that search in Georgia or in Atlanta, you'll see Atlanta firms ranking with that answer. If you do that search in DC, there's probably a good chance you see price benefits ranking for that term, right? I'm sure you do, right? Um, you know, but it's, you know, don't be uh, scared or intimidated to write content that you think you'd be competing nationally because Google is sophisticated enough now to understand where the IP address that somebody's doing the search versus the IP address of the firm. Uh, and well, maybe not the IP address, but where the firm, firm is located. <clears throat> right, I, I think that the, um one of those um, interesting things is, you know, we've we've talked about that for years, but that, it, you know, one of the things that's, you know, will the police report get you monetizable traffic? Maybe, maybe not, but it does get you traffic. And one of the things we talked about last time was the sort of the 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 touch point that TV advertisers had this huge example because of the traffic running through them from the branded searches from from running those ads. One of the things mm-hmm. for are not on TV that you can do is getting that huge traffic through your site as a touch point. You know, um, I have a huge battle with my intake people at the law firm because things like red light cameras and speed cameras, they get mm-hmm. more traffic and more people coming through it than anything else. There's not a lot of good answers for it. And there's no good answer mm-hmm. as far as legally what to do with it. But you have people searching. You have people that are more upset about their speed camera ticket than you have people facing 20 years on a drug charge. So <laughs> you have people searching, you know, and scouring the web. If you can use some of that. Now, the downside is, you know, uh, you have to, you have to then make, look at the user experience. We take the phone number off those pages. We'll put like big, clear language saying, we do not handle these cases. Cause the last thing you want, we actually had a bad review one saying, Hey, there's content about this, but it's not, you know, they don't do this type of case. And so, but you want, you look, but there's a need, like you're doing a civic duty if you're telling people, because to me, the advice is when, when Alex calls me and says, yeah, I'm driving, driving through uh, Maryland. I got a speed camera ticket. What should I do? I would say pay it because mm-hmm. the there's no good legal answer. It would cost more to hire a lawyer than it would to just pay the ticket uh, mm-hmm. or even fight it yourself. And so, one of the things that um, I'm very cognizant of is you want things that bring traffic through that give good service, but you want to be very clear that you're not, you know, hurting your firm's ability to have the phones overwhelmed from monetize, you know, and preventing monetizable cases getting through because of it. So there's a there's a an art to it, and if you do it 
too much in one direction, you will see a negative consequence. You want to make sure that it's clear. This is for information purposes. This is, you know, I you know, get people calling for their free consultation on a speed, on a red light camera ticket. And you, while you want the traffic and you want to be able to tell people what the answer is, it is not something that you can actually do and make money from. And I got another classic example of that. So like I do uh, SEO for a site in LA, um, a DUI site. And, um, and, you know, doing my keyword research and looking at, you know, uh, just analytics and trends and stuff, you know, one of the big terms was, you know, how to see if somebody has been arrested, right? And you think, well, that would be a pretty good term, right? Because if they're looking to see if somebody got arrested, well, what's the next step? They probably need a lawyer, right? Um, so we wrote a page. We you know, we, we built it out. Um, we did some link building to it and now it ranks number one in the featured snippet. Right. And so, man, talk about clogging up a phone. Like, you know, like you said, you had to change the phone number, right? Cause we were getting people calling like literally three, four or five times a day. Hi, I want to see if uh, Johnny Smith is in jail. He's my cousin. We he didn't come home last night. Right. All that stuff. And so then what we did, like you said, Seth, you know, we still rank number one, but we totally removed the phone number and we put it in big red, like, hey, if your loved one got arrested, please call this number. Um, but you know, that's that's a classic example of where, you know, SEO could become an inefficient uh part of your process. Sure. Right. And look, I'll give you an example. Like in uh, Virginia, birth defect cases don't have a monetizable value for a lawyer because of a, a fund that's been set up. And so it's one of those things you can rank all day for it and you can get, you know, there's not a lot of competition uh, mm -hmm. and it, you know, it, and it's a good SEO, you know, touch point, but you've got to be careful about how you construct it and you can get creative. You can make it that that page doesn't link back to the rest of the site. I mean, there are different things you can try to, to do with that, but if you, I think it can be used, you just need to balance out the pros and cons and do everything again. If you follow Google's idea of a good user experience, you don't want to be misleading at the same time. You want to be able to put certain content that is relevant and helpful as an organic piece to your business. And I, I think that's a, a great example. We had had the, the central cell block, which is essentially where people go when they're arrested in DC. You know, and I think that probably a good tip for people in, in, in secondary markets for criminal, the, the local jails probably don't have much web presence. And you can very often outrank them or at least come number two to them and get and have a lot of great information. It's just that cost benefit. Um, is it going to clog up your phones or create a bad user experience where somebody is misled? Having that big red thing at the top saying, hey, if somebody's locked up. This is what you call. But here's what you need to know. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The messaging on the page. Cool. So let's jump into LSAs and let's start explaining what it is, what it came out, what the big issue is with it recently, because I know uh, some clients that aren't doing ads with us have been complaining about it, so I think we're gonna help review that for them. But what are LSAs and uh, how are they gonna impact organic rankings? Well, for the first part is easy. I'll let Jason do that. The second part, you know, it's the jury is still out, but uh, hope, hopefully mm -hmm. that's badly. Yeah, just LSA, local service ads, right? You know, it's nothing new. I mean, they've been around for a long time, but it's just new to the in, you know, the, the personal injury space. Um, you know, they're the first top three results that you see when you do a search. You know, Google's monetized by when people actually pick up the phone and call. So they're actually being paid for an action instead of a click. Um, you know, there's speculation that Google might change to a bidding system uh, at some oh, point. I don't, I don't think that's speculation. They've they've already signaled that's happening. Yeah, they've yeah, already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right now it's not really that. It's an algorithm. I think it's heavily emphasized on reviews, um, you know, because you see like, for, well, reviews and budget, I think, is, is the two pieces, I budget, think, yeah. of that algorithm, well, you know, well, um, because like, <clears throat> yep, go ahead. <clears throat> No, I was going to say it's, it's, it's sort of a long straight journey they have taken, right? So Jason, they've been around for a while. The original impetus when I was out visiting Google years ago was they had a real issue. Locksmiths and home improvement were filled with fraud and bad user experiences when people Googled it. It wasn't like an Angie's List where it was vetted and there was some money or a bond. So they said, hey, we need to solve a problem. Um, mm -hmm. The irony is in legal, it's much less of an issue, meaning you're barred. There's a recourse short of a lead gen group which sure. they seem not to care about in local, but this this is you know because of the background check that's involved. So getting, they said, it, we need this for 
non-legal, but we can make a hell of a lot of money in legal, essentially saying it's not just enough to make pay-per-click money, but we want to make pay-per-lead money, which is essentially what these are, right? You're essentially totally. buying leads. Now, if you're doing a couple things, it's, it is essentially a paid service. So I think that the biggest headline I can give is that short-term, we are seeing a cannibalization of traditional pay-per-click. At Google Ads or you know Google AdWords in the old nomenclature, we have seen those that you know coming down almost dollar for dollar for the the money that we're spending on the LSAs. But like anything else, Jason's lived through this. We saw this with videos. Remember video billboards? Jason loved back in the day. They wanted mm -hmm. videos. They bought YouTube. They were pushing that hard. I think that right now, because it's not a bidding system, they just want the market to buy into this. We're not seeing it for every search. There have to be three people in a market for it to work. So if you're the only guy in a market doing it, it's not going to show. It's not showing in every search result. But what we're seeing at least short term is, and thankfully for SEOs, it has not been a big hit into the SEO local space. We still get our local hits. We still get our organic hits. It's really been taken out of, from what we've seen so far, from Google AdWords. That's not going to last. Google doesn't, you know, they're doing this to make more revenue. And so by the time they start raising the rates on that, you're going to say, well, these Google calls are too expensive. Maybe I'll go back to clicks or vice versa. The market will even out. Um, but, you know, I'm sure at some point it is going to turn the dial and that they are going to find a way to get more monetizable traffic to their leads and clicks and less to their free three pack and organic. That's my take on what's going to happen. So, so for me, you know, early the, 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 the people that were getting the biggest, reward from the LSAs was like the solo practitioners that have like, you know, it's just one person at a small little office. They've got like seven five-star reviews, you know, they've got a $5,000 per month budget, but they don't have to get, you know, a, a hundred uh, bar cards like approved, you know what I mean? In the whole, no. right. So they're, they're very quick to kind of get up and, and, and populate and you see them, you know, ranking, you know, and then now over time, it's the course is starting to correct itself because, you know, the bigger players are starting to kind of get into that space. Uh, and, and, and they're in. I mean, like the, the Pinkerton background check was the frustrating part. But That's I think right. there were two issues. One was, I think, that a few people had an early in, mm -hmm. that some people got a backdoor in, plus the little guys who get you through the background check quickly, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's also a mixed bag depending on practice group. We have a lot of PI people here. That seems to be one of the better ones, but we've seen some of these areas, not great, you know, mm -hmm. calls are plentiful. They want, they're, they're getting the calls, but not monetizable calls, because, yeah. you know, so that I would argue that again, in contingency cases got to be there. If you're doing pay-per-click, it's silly not to be pushing money there right now. Right. You know, we, we do enough business at, at my firm that we primarily rely upon organic because we do enough traffic from that that we're, we're satisfied. But we were like, hey, if there's going to be cheap media, you might as well spend it until the gig is up. And then at some point in the not too distant future, you know, you're going to be getting your cases. If it costs you $1,200 or $1,500 in a case, Google knows how to get those calls to the point where you're paying that per monetizable case. Um, I have no doubt that we're, we're headed in that direction. Here's the people that hurt from LSAs. Um, the, the people that are actually hurting from the LSAs are a lot of these like lead gen companies, right? Where you kind of piggyback off of the name of another firm and you're able to kind of top rank, you know, for whatever pennies on the dollar. So instead of spending $200 per click, you're spending $15 per click to piggyback off of a branded firm and you're getting the clicks and you're getting the phone calls. But now you've got this big, you know, verified kind of thing right at the top of Google where the, the you know, the people that play in the lead gen space can't compete. You well, know? No, and, and that's exactly what I was alluding to before, right? So that because L LSAs are also new, it has the review number up to it, so it's nice. And it's had that verified check that it, it sort of cannibalized the Google ads, which is where mm -hmm. the lead gen companies were putting their ads, right? They were, they were mm -hmm. living off of pay-per-click and, and sort of arbitraging the difference between the cost per click and the cost per lead, um, with, especially with some of these tricks and lower dollar clicks using big law firm names and things like that. Uh, it's fascinating to see where that goes. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's not a great user experience. You have like these sponsored at the top and then ads below. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but if Google's making money, they'll hold their nose and do it for a while. I, I, I can't imagine. It, it seems kind of awkward to have both. I agree. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, it's taken up a lot of real estate too. Um, kind of pushing the organic side down. But I'll, I'll, it's one thing again um, that I've seen in the not, as I alluded to a moment ago, in the non um, contingency world, in the fee for service world, it has not been the same panacea. You know, I've always said looking at criminal, I'm sure it's similar with family, trust in estates, people that are searching that you want who can afford your services, especially if it's a premium service and not the low dollar guy are going to be looking at these at, you know, that the ideal candidate very often comes through the local three pack because they have the reviews or through the organic further down that mm -hmm. this, I am not like that the savvier person is used to ads at the top and not that you don't get lucky and not that you can't get some ROI, but it might be that three to one ROI. Whereas the organic and the, and the local pack still is where the savvier you know, person who has money to spend appears to be going from my perspective. That's what I'm seeing short term. Yeah, they're doing more research, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing more research. And I saw a trust in a state's play where those LSAs, they were waiting, they got them. It blew up the phones, but it was not a good ROI at all. It was a bunch of crap versus sure. I'm not that if you're able to get the calls on PI, it makes money and you can get your ROI. But fee for service, it has not been that same godsend you've seen in the, in the contingency world. Completely agree. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Well, do we have, uh, appreciate that. And I think those are really great answers. Um, you know, we had a call with Google earlier this week and kind of asking those questions specifically. So I think you guys touched on a mo. Um, anybody have questions in? Yeah, we got, we got 10 minutes. Um, yeah, 10 minutes. We have time for oh, Paul Faust. Joined us, who's soon to be South Florida. Uh, That's right. Residents, what's up, Paul? Oh, okay, we got a call, question coming in from Adam. So while Let's the question's coming in, <clears throat> while the question's coming in, um, I've got a I love SEO T-shirt here that I will give away. Your size. I've got boxes of this stuff. I'm gonna be selling oh, it. You're, you're not just gonna send it. You're not, you're, you're, this is not just your your uh, way of not doing laundry and sending out the ones after. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I will give out a I love SEO T-shirt, either black or white, in your size, to the first person that uh, comments with the original name of Google. What was the original name of Google before it was Google? <clears throat> First person to comment gets a free and while, while you're I waiting for the comment, <clears throat> I was going to it was a question that just scrolled through there while you're looking for uh for, for an answer. You got an answer. Uh, somebody you asked, got a winner. But but finish your time. <laughs> Uranus. No, it's not Uranus. Uh, all right, so it looks like Walter. Walter Johnson is our uh, winner. Um, so uh, the answer is back rub. Yeah, it yeah. sounds yeah. funny, but that was the original name of Google. Um, and so uh, I guess if you can uh, maybe message, send a DM or email Alex at, what is it, We Do Web Content? Actually, send it to me. Send it to Jason, J-A-S-O-N, at Hennessy.com. I'll put that in there. Send me your size, white or black, and your address, and I'll put that in the mail to you, Walter. Thank you. We, you know, a question that scrolled as we were doing this was somebody said, hey, what if you set up a, a relationship with another law firm and just linked back and forth in the blogs? And, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of those things that was done a lot back in the day. There was one large... Uh, sort of legacy non-WordPress group that was big about syndicating blogs out. And for a while it worked. I don't love anything that's fully reciprocal. The link value mm -hmm. goes down over time. The, the good thing is it can get you some deep links, but like anything else, I don't love it to be abused. If it's something that you do a bit of as a one-off, fine. But if you take it too far, I don't love it. Although it probably won't get you penalized, but it just... It's not a great user experience, but not a bad way to sort of sprinkle some love. But like mm -hmm. anything else, you do it uh, a couple times fine, just not not in mass. Yeah, if it happens naturally, nothing to be concerned about. I got last night um, on the if you're a personal injury lawyer or a lawyer that's going after mass tort cases, 
Um, and we've been doing it a lot, Jason, is creating a lot of Spanish content. But the, the gentleman I was speaking with last night is a, uh, is a tour docket writer and analyst and researcher. He said the Spanish community is one of the most underserved when it comes to content, for, especially for mass tours. Um, and we've been doing a hard push for Spanish content in the PI space. But um, in the mass tour world, Spanish content is very, very valuable. Um, so if it's not something that you're working on, um, you should probably start adding that into your content strategy, both for PI and uh, mass tour. And, and there's, a, there's a way to do that, too. Um, you know, there's research how to do it from an SEO perspective, because, like, if you do it incorrectly, it, you know, it might not work. So there is a way to do that. What's your feeling on simply, um, you know, on you, you built out a, a site in English on translating each page or the key landing pages versus having an entire separate like Spanish silo. How do you, what's your philosophy on uh, how to, how to leverage content in Spanish versus English? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a brilliant strategy. It's probably the easiest strategy because you already wrote the content, right? right? And now you just have to get it translated. Um, but you just have to use the, you know, the rel alt lang tag to tell Google that this is the Spanish version of the page, this is the English version of the page. So there is some technical, um, you know, makeup that you have to do to to do that correctly. Um, but I think that's, that's probably the way to go, yeah. Do you think there's ever gonna be a point where we can literally just rely upon Google Translate as that? I know it's not, it's, it's getting there, but you know that's been one of those things that you sort of like. How much effort do you put into it? Obviously, if you see a hole in the market, right? God bless. Mm -hmm. You know, start write, writing content. But is it something that we could get our sites into? You know, will we get to the point where our sites essentially in every language once we put it in English? Uh, is there a way to leverage that? Do you think in the future? I think we're far away. I don't think that's not uh, impossible. Um, but I don't think. We will see that within the next five to seven years of it being that easy. Um, you know, for an automatic would, translate, that what you're asking? Sorry, yeah, the audit, like you know how like you have like Google Trend, like you could put a button on your website that just says Spanish and it translates it in Google Translate. The problem is that Google's not indexing that content because it is just a Google Translate. And so yes, you have a version. You know, but it's uh, but still it, sloppy, it, it, right? It, 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 I know it's getting there because we got a note from my my eldest son, Spanish teacher, saying that you know there are times when his stuff looks like it's in a you know middle school level, and there's times when it looks like an advanced Spanish uh, you know linguist. Uh, maybe he should stop <laughs> using Google Translate for his answers. So, um, so I, I I just came up with an idea. Well. Of, you know, using Google Translate itself as a baseline, and then you know, help, help, helping that rather to edit. You know, it's always the question of editing versus building. So, um, well, well, you know uh, what? You on know, part I, three, on part three of our, yeah. we should do part three. We could talk about the whole world of AI content, right? I'm doing some experimentation with AI content right now, and it's kind of blown me away of how that work, how that is working so well. Um, not in the legal space. I'm doing. We're doing some experiments in other spaces, but it's crazy to see that that's working. Um, but that that's something. That's a whole other topic, and I think that is something that's coming even before the whole Google Translate stuff. <clears throat> yeah, I did Very some cool. tests there. It is pretty impressive. I, I tested it out on some legal pages too, just like Jason said, and it's nowhere near where where it should be. It's actually very choppy and just pulling from the from search, but. Uh, but I in actually even in the SEO space, like SEO content space, it, it actually was uh was doing some really good uh turnout. Oh yeah, content. it's it's really some of it's really horrible stuff, but you know, it's yeah. Google's indexing it and they're can yeah. And look, I, I look I don't have something that I have seen over the years that's really frustrating. I remember when I first started out and started experimenting with Spanish, I was trying to do this in-house that I, I and I love Alex to sort of speak to it. Every time I had a page translated into Spanish, the, the per next person to look at ah, that's terrible. You know, like yeah. which country do you recommend to get people from so that it's not so that you get something where there is at least a consensus that what you're translating makes sense? Because I know that if I got people from Spain, the people from Mexico didn't like it. It's people from Mexico, the people from 
Costa Rica didn't like it. Is there a country that's sort of the universal Spanish that would be give me the best shot of giving great translation? South that's Florida Spanish. I think is off because of their totally different dialect. I think you're safe with something from Colombia and Mexico. Um, they don't have such a technical Spanish um, as Spain would, and they're very similar. It's still appropriate, right? They're not using any slang. They're not using any specific words that you wouldn't. Like, you know, I'm born Spanish, first language speaking, and I never once imagined that uh, injury uh, meant lesionado, and, you know, it was just different, right? It's a whole different way of uh, writing, typing, just the context is, is totally different, so it's tough. But uh, I would say Mexico, Colombia um, are not bad places. That's usually where we get our writers from. Um, and then we have in-house editors to edit it. Cool. Yeah. So so it's it's 10 o'clock, guys. Um, I unfortunately have another okay. call backed up to this. Um, but man, this was fun again. Yeah, you know, we got to do it again. You're well, going to be in Florida for about how how much longer? Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna until it gets warm. Okay, okay. <laughs> so maybe Why we can put this on the books again for for either January or February. We'll do a part yeah. two. This is fun. Just kind of keep it going. We'll do our our next one. Maybe we'll do AI. Yeah, we're always asking for people to send over topics, anything they want to talk. So please, um, I'll be in the Valencia's backyard. All right, Paul, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where Seth wanted to do it too. I'm like, all right, um, we'll try to figure that one out. But thank and you. Is again. there a recording? Is there a recording for this that we'll be sending out for those that? Yeah, yeah, we're going to be sending it out by email. Um, if you you don't get it from our email, you either get it from Seth or Jason's email. Um, we'll also post on social. Thank you guys again for joining. Um, wish everyone uh, safe, happy holidays, and uh, awesome. Have a great day. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, boys. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Bye-bye.